Hey, it's Sean Fennessy, one of the hosts of the Prestige TV podcast. HBO's Barry is back for a fourth and final season. And that means I'll be back recapping the show with co-creator and star Bill Hader to dive deep on the themes, scenes, and major moments in the series. Bill will provide insight into how every episode was made and why it's ending. New Prestige TV Barry recaps will go live every Sunday night when the episode ends. So make sure you're subscribed to the Prestige TV podcast wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer Gambling Show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus, and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler. Visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Let's roll, baby. Welcome in. We are back by popular demand. The East Coast Bias Boys are here. It's Joe House, Raheem Palmer, yours truly, JJ Johnson-Stremski, and we have a lot to dissect. Round two of the NBA postseason. What a performance by my Denver Nuggets. We'll get to that in a few moments. But I don't want to bury the lead. Joe House, our buddy Raheem Palmer, I think is starting his candidacy for the White House because he just got banned for 24 hours on Twitter. What gives, Raheem? Yeah, I mean, I was watching the Philadelphia 76ers last night. James Harden, he went off. I mean, he absolutely dominated. And, you know, he hits the game-winning shot. He gets the switch on Al Horford. And I tweet, James Harden, let your nuts hang. And immediately they hit me with the 12-hour ban, which is going to end in about one minute so I can hop back on Twitter. But, yeah, what a performance from James Harden. That's just an outstanding expression of your uh, ebullience at that performance, a throwback performance by James Harden. I don't know what the standards are anymore, what you're allowed to say, what you're not allowed to say, but I will tell you this, that version of James Harden makes the Sixers, you know, as, as little things have occurred over the course of the end of the season, this postseason, every couple days, maybe once a week, we drop a note in the ECB uh, thread 
is this the Sixers year? Could this be the year? I mean, things really just keep lining up now. They're facing the adversity of the Joel Embiid knee injury. But look, is, is that is there a silver lining there? Is this lineup that the Sixers have presenting unexpected challenges for the Celtics? I mean, the 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 single biggest uh, mismatch of the entire game was Joe Maz against Doc. Because Joe Maz, just for whatever reason, decided to play uh, hard and straight up off the switches. I don't think he doubled him once. And, and Harden just won the game that way. Just went out and won the basketball game, JJ. It was an incredible performance by Philadelphia. They're nine and a half point underdogs. They are monster underdogs as far as the series price is concerned. And, and House, I got to give you some love now because you dropped this little nugget of jubilation in the East Coast Bias group chat last night. And listen, as I'm feeling a little achy, uh, I can maybe go and find some doctors overseas that James Harden and Kobe Bryant used to find overseas. Because, uh, listen, you might have been on to something there. How good? Harden playing like that house changes the vibe and changes the feel of this series. But I'm glad you hit on this. You know, we get on Doc Rivers a lot for his inability to coach in the postseason. And at times, his teams have gotten outcoached in the postseason. Our buddy, the Podfather, has been all over this when it comes to the Boston Celtics and the question of what Joe Missoula is as an NBA head coach, the idea that he is going through the ringer for the first time here in this postseason. And how's, how about Missoula? Harden hits the three late inside of 10 seconds. What on earth is the final play that he drew? Like, what was that? I'm watching that game. End of the game. Draw something up that makes sense there, for goodness sakes. They drew up as bad a play as humanly possible. The sort of play that you would expect from a team in November or December that didn't call a timeout. Yeah, the, the ball in Marcus Smart's hands. Marcus Smart as the preeminent playmaker for the Boston Celtics. Absolutely. I mean, the podfather himself, he texted out the thread of the last several possessions by the Celtics, the last two and a half minutes. And the same thing was true of the last two minutes and 45 seconds of the first half. The reason that the Sixers were hanging around is because they outscored the Celtics 10-4 to down the stretch at the end of the first half, and then they closed it out in the last two and a half minutes, and it's a whole slew of possessions by the Celtics where they, they look disorganized. I mean, the, the Maxi, you can't, he gets credit for his steal, but all that happened was they, they threw the ball to him and he took it down the court right before the shot clock expired. And that was a, a great play on moment. I was glad to see it. It was a throwback moment from the NBA officiating crew. But this Celtics team has just been messing around and messing around and messing around. There is a mismatch, in my humble opinion, between the level of talent and their maturity and this coach. And, and it's just a, a challenge that they're going to have to deal with, uh, Dream. Yeah, I mean, you know, the interesting thing is I want to talk about Dak Rivers because when you look at Dak Rivers, he historically underperforms with all of these Hall of Fame players that he coaches. But when he's under man, and, you know, it's like he's a top five coach when he's under man. So we got to give Doc Rivers some credit because, you know, in that first half, the Celtics were getting to the lane at will. I mean, you saw Jason Tatum. This is a guy who normally settles for his step-back jumpers, his fadeaway jumpers. He was driving to the lane because there was no rim protection. And in the second half, the Sixers went to that zone defense, and 
you saw the Sixers take control of that game. So, you know, this is one of the rare matchups where the Sixers actually have the coaching edge. So, um, you know, I, I like the Sixers' chances going forward. I'm glad that you brought that up, Raheem. So we know what these series odds were at the start. Now, if you look at these series price, as we sit here on FanDuel Sportsbook, as you watch now on FanDuel TV, as you listen on the Ringer Gambling Show, the Boston Celtics are minus 174. Philadelphia is at plus 146. The Sixers plus games, you got to lay two to one juice. Raheem, I know this is a team that's near and dear to your heart, but you are a very fair and reasonable and pragmatic person for the most part, unlike myself, where I am normally not in that <laughs> boat and I am not in that realm. Do you, in your heart of hearts, think the Philadelphia 76ers can beat the Boston Celtics and finally slay the Dragon and win this series? I think we can beat them if Joel Embiid comes back. I think that is very necessary. I think you saw in the first half of that game, the Sixers' defense is absolutely predicated on Joel Embiid being a top-tier rim protector. Now, when you look at James Harden last night, it was very encouraging because James Harden, he hasn't been the same player since he's he suffered that Achilles injury on March the 20th. But, you know, as great as he was last night, you're not going to expect him to drop 45 points every night. Like, he was 7 of 14 from 3. So that's not going to happen every night. We're going to need Joel Embiid's score, and we're going to need his defense. But I do think the Sixers are absolutely live. You know, like, how said that the Celtics team messes around? However, at what point is that who you become, who you are? Because at some point, they can't just keep messing around. They messed around against the Hawks. You messed around against the Sixers. At some point, yeah, habits become who you are. So I think the Sixers are incredibly live in this series. And when you look at FanDuel right now, I wouldn't necessarily suggest taking the Sixers right now, but I do not believe that the Celtics have a 63% chance of winning this series as denoted by the 174 series price. I don't believe that. Well, House, I think it's a bad time to hop in on Philadelphia because if you look at game two, first of all, as we sit here, we have no idea if the Sixers are going to rush Joel and beat back on the court for game two. I don't think they should. Get them back at home when you're 1-1, getting ready for a monster game in Philadelphia. But House, assuming the Celtics go and win game two, you're going to get a much better price on the Philadelphia 76ers. I'm not saying it's going to be as good as the initial series price, but you're going to get at least two to one odds, maybe even a little bit more if the Celtics go and win in resounding fashion. So for anybody out there, House, there's no reason to take the Sixers to win the series now. I would highly advise against that. No, no, no reason whatsoever. Just sit tight. And honestly, for the Sixers strategically, I think it makes so much more sense to just run back this exact same lineup, defy Boston to stop it, and then show up with really what amounts to is a brand new team with Joel Embiid. I mean, part of the news with Joel is he hasn't been able to run since that injury of, of 10 days ago, or whatever. We, he needs to like get the cardio back so there's absolutely no reason to move off of this, this version of the Sixers. And by the way, this is one of the complaints we have about Doc. Let's get let B-Ball Paul keep getting this seasoning. Him knocking down four free throws with a minute left, that pays exponential dividends. That's a dude, you know, I wish we saw him get that 20, 25 minutes a game that he got uh, last night throughout the course of the season. Right? Who knows what kind of impact that might have had 
on Joel Embiid's health and longevity over the course of the season, but I'm not going to quibble on the margins. The Celtic, the Celtics are in trouble. They have lost their last two games, playoff games at home. So it's not like that home crowd situation is something that, that that's formidable. Lost to the Hawks and follow that up with a game one loss to the Sixers. And the Sixers have nothing to lose in game two and for the balance of the series. I, I, I Let's just sit tight. Let game two fall into place. I mean, look, I'm not counting out the Sixers. I'll put something on the money line for the Sixers. If they run back this exact same lineup, it gives the Celtics trouble. Uh, but the prices will all be better after game two, JJ. Absolutely right. Yeah, I think I think you have to assume that the Celtics are going to win game two. So I wouldn't recommend betting the Sixers at this point. Sixers are playing with house money. I mean, you know, pun intended. <laughs> so, fellas, when we come back, I like to give our buddy, the podfather, a hard time on a lot of stuff. I do. It's part of my charm. It's why I like to have fun. And uh, we like to needle. We like to needle around here. I want to give him some love because to me, he was all over something. We were a united front on this every which way. And I think it's been a telling tale of what you've seen so far in the Denver Nuggets Phoenix Sun series. And there's a lot to like if you have a Denver Nugget ticket to go and win the NBA title. We're coming right back. The NBA playoffs are in full swing and you can turn crossovers into cash with FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com slash gamblers right now and place a $5 bet and you'll get an instant 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. So I just added a nice two-teamer. Serious price parlay. I love that FanDuel allows you to do this. I took the Knicks, who are now plus money for the series against the Miami Heat. I took the Lakers, who are plus money for their series against Golden State Warriors. Guess what? I got like four to one odds on this bad boy. So how cool is that? And, and FanDuel has so many things you can do. You can take the player props like points, rebounds, assists. They got exclusive markets like largest comebacks, most dunks, and teams to score in the first minute. And of course, the same game parlay and the same game parlay plus. There's no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. Just go to FanDuel.com slash gamblers and sign up to get $150 in bonus bets when you bet your first five bucks. FanDuel, official sports betting partner, of the NBA. 21 plus and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hope is here. Gambling help line ma.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 in New York. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or... Visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 109 within Indiana, 100-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, 100-522-4700 in Wyoming, or visit 100gambler.net in West Virginia. 
So, House, I give BS a real hard time. I did about the Nets Sixers series, which to me made absolutely no sense. But I heard him say this, and he texted this to us right before the start of Phoenix and Denver. It made no sense to me that the Denver Nuggets were underdogs going into the start of this series. In fact, it was disrespectful to the Denver Nuggets that they were underdogs going into this series against a Phoenix team that does not have the same cohesion. A Phoenix team that has absolutely no bench and has absolutely no depth whatsoever. And what we saw so far here in the first two games of this series is that Denver has so many different ways to beat you. And Phoenix, it's Durant, it's Booker, it's old man Chris Paul, and then uh, you want to throw DeAndre in and then be my guest. Aside from that, they are not getting answers here. I could not feel better about where I stand from my Nuggets series price, my Nuggets minus one and a half games, my Nuggets future to win the NBA title. House, I know it's 2-0. I know I don't want to be dancing on the sun's grave. I just think they're flat out better, dude. I really do. Yeah, JJ, I would never accuse Vegas of being predatory, but I believe that the pricing at the beginning of this series was a reflection by the price makers of what they thought the public perception was of the Phoenix Suns. Because us hoopheads have been very skeptical all along the way here about the Phoenix Suns and their uh, ultimate fortunes in these NBA playoffs. There is literally no precedent for adding a top five player in the league to a team, you know, with with, with 10 leg games left in the, in the regular season, all the games that he missed because of, of injury. And, you know, trying to build chemistry on the fly. And, and we can, we, we've seen it in, in stark relief in these first two games. The difference between the Denver Nuggets and the Phoenix Suns, it's light and day. It's the Denver Nuggets know their roles. Everybody knows what they're doing. The minutes are, are being very equitably allocated. Bruce Brown, a wonderful game, game one. KCP in game two. They're sharing the same spot. They just, they, they're putting their arms around each other and hugging it out. It's so good. The Joker, quiet game one, let Jamal Murray cook. How about game two of the Joker reminding everybody, look, there is a legit conversation to be had about who the best player in the NBA is. I mean, I understand all the Giannis truthers out there. I was one until last week. But look, man, what the Joker keeps doing, he keeps cooking. Now, it is absolutely a perfect, perfect, perfect matchup for these Denver Nuggets, this version of the Phoenix Suns. They just have a personnel problem. They don't have the bodies to, to defend this Nuggets team. And the only way they can win is by outscoring the Nuggets, and they can't do it. The Nuggets showed us they can play fast and whoop that ass, and they can play slow and whoop that ass. And CP3's groin is hurt. They might just keep on whooping that ass, Dream. Yeah, it's looking really bad. You know, not only do they have a personnel problem, they have a math problem. I mean, like the Nuggets are going to outshoot them from three in every single game in this series. I mean, after game one, we spoke at length about how the Suns don't shoot enough threes. They were 7 of 23 from behind the arc. Nuggets were 16 of 37. Well, in game two, they shot more threes but they were just six of 31. So they shot more threes and couldn't make more threes. And you look at this team. It's just Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and a bunch of guys who aren't really NBA players at this point. I mean, De DeAndre Ayton is a great player. I mean, he has all the potential in the world. And he played up to that potential in the first half. But in the second half, 
Jokic absolutely dominated him. I mean, he took him into the deep waters and drowned him. You look at Jamal Murray. He didn't show up. You look at Michael Porter Jr. He didn't show up. But Jokic showed everybody that he's the best player in the league last night. I don't know how the Suns win this series. I think they win game three on Friday. But after that, I think, you know, it's, it, they're, in tough, they're in a tough spot. Well, Raheem, I'm glad you brought up the three-point shot. Denver, on the other hand, a team we know likes to take advantage of the three. For them to go and win a game by 10 on a night where they go 7 of 27 from beyond the arc. I mean, if I'm Mike Malone and the Denver Nuggets, I'm saying, man, we shot it like absolute you-know-what. Not only did we win, we won the game comfortably because we have so many advantages over this Phoenix team. And I think that was the element that a lot of folks missed here with Phoenix. Listen, Devin Booker is an all-world player. We know that. Kevin Durant is one of the best players of all time. But there is literally no precedent for going and taking a guy like Durant, putting him on a team in the middle of a year, having absolutely no bench. This team has absolutely no cohesion because they barely played together, for goodness sakes. And then expecting, oh, guess what? You're going to just roll out the basketballs, find that cohesion, find that chemistry, find that flow in the NBA playoffs? How's, come on, man. Like, there's, there's no example of this. You want to tell me Drexler going to the Rockets? That was a team that won an NBA title. He was a missing piece. This team, there's no cohesion there. The entire team is gone, for goodness sakes, from two years ago, three years ago. Yeah, the single worst thing that could have happened to the Suns was the Kawhi injury because they 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 need that seasoning under the most in, intense kind of circumstances. Kawhi gave it to him in game one when the Clippers went out there and took game one, and he he tried his best in game two, but that injury was already part of, of his picture, and then he was out, and that series was basically over, notwithstanding the tremendous heroics of my beloved Russell Westbrook, who will always be near and dear to my heart for the for the year that he gave, the dedicated year that he gave to the Washington Wizards franchise. But look, th this Denver Nuggets team is a whole different an animal. The Suns ain't built for it, and I don't. You, you both of you guys are right. I I can't see the pathway for the Suns other than some version of Durant and Booker combining for what. 75 points a game. It's got to be like some ridiculous number of points a game where they just flat out try and outscore the Nuggets. That's that's the only path I can see. And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think they have a chance to outscore the Nuggets. I mean, let's be honest. Let's be like straight up honest. First things first, this Suns team, they're very reminiscent of what we saw last year from the Philadelphia 76ers after they traded for James Harden. They didn't have a bench either. They had to take one offseason to get the bench together, sign guys like DeAndre Melton, um, DeAnthony Melton, and P.J. Tucker. So you see this, where the Sixers are now. They're a deeper team. But when I look at Kevin Durant without Steph Curry, he's a completely different guy with Steph Curry. 33-9 and nine playoff record, 29 points per game, 51% shooting, 41% from three. Kevin Durant without Steph Curry, 66-54 and 54 playoff record, 29 points per game, but his field goal percentage drops to 46%, and he's only shooting 33% from behind the arc. So without Steph Curry, this guy who everybody says is a top-five player, Top five all-time? No, 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 Raheem. Anybody who's saying that Kevin Durant is a top five all-time player, please 
Uh, turn in your NBA calling card. <laughs> I said top I five turn it in, in the context of, of this season. I don't even – he's he's in my oh, top okay. 15. I, I didn't at all time. No. I'm sorry. No, I mean, there's a lot of people me. in the media who look at Kevin Durant as one of the best players in the league. They think he's better than Steph Curry. I personally don't, but he it's, it's proven that he doesn't move the needle as much as that guy in Golden State. That's my point. <laughs> And that guy in Golden State, uh, you want to talk about somebody that put his team on his back and had a performance. We'll get to that. Uh, I'm still drooling over what I saw in game number seven. But, House, um, do you give Phoenix more than a game in this series now? The spread on FanDuel for this series, Denver is at minus one and a half. It's at minus 130. The Nuggets are basically now three to one favorites to win this series. So uh, I think it's fair to say I'm glad I have plus money on that. Uh, do you give Phoenix more than one game, or is this a five-game gentleman's sweep? The answer depends on Chris Paul's groin. If We'll see Friday. I mean, nothing could be better for the Suns than to wash away the bad taste of, of Monday night and have all the way till Friday night before the next time they have to, to lace them up. And, you know, groins are funny, man. I, I've had different, over the course of my highly successful athletic career, Gonzaga College High School track Hall of Famer. Uh, sorry, I'll, I'll I'll take it down a notch. But groins no, can I be funny. I respect the shameless plug. I I'm love proud it. of you for that. Groins no, can be funny. Do. That that's More all that. I'll say. And I I you know I I want the Suns to be at the the tip top of of their powers because the matchup is is more interesting that way. But this is exactly coming into this series. One of the things that we all circled, like. You know, Monty Williams is loading these dudes up with minutes and these are not young dudes. And, you know, at some point there will be a a uh, a price to pay potentially. And here we are, you know, the first injury of, 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 of Chris Paul in the playoffs. And let's see what happens come Friday. Right, Dream? Yeah, I, I mean, it's unfortunate for Chris Paul. I mean, it just feels like a yearly thing where he suffers his playoff injury. I mean, it's 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 almost as bad, if not worse, than Joel Embiid because, I mean, he's been doing it so long, and it's just every single playoffs, this is what happens. And, you know, for this Suns team that lacks depth, I mean, I just think they're in a bad spot. So campaign is going to have to step up and, you know, create some plays and, you know, score some points for this team. Raheem, is four and a half properly priced? for Denver and Phoenix? Or is that factoring in the 0-2 at-home tax that you have in many of these instances where maybe that game three line is, you know, it's a point higher or two points higher than maybe it should be? I think it's a fair line. And I think you have to, when you have to consider this Denver Nuggets team, as good as they've been at home, 34-7 and at home during a regular season, they were just 19 and 22 on the road this season. So this hasn't been the same team on the road this year. And you can look at the Phoenix Suns, 28 and 13 at home this year. They take care of business at home. I mean, we've spoken about it at length. These teams in the Western Conference, for whatever reason, they've truly struggled on the road. So I expect the, the Suns to take care of business in game three. But, I mean, who knows what happens from there because, I mean, they're going to need Kevin Durant and Devin Booker to put up legendary performances to tie this series. Phoenix, no doubt about it, in trouble down 0-2. Um, game 7 in the NBA, Game 7 in any sport is always a special thing. Well, we got an all-timer. There's no getting around that. We got an all-timer from the best shooter of our lifetime. Still drooling after what we saw from Mr. Curry. Is he smelling another championship run? We'll get into that. That's coming up next. 
Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. So, Game 7, Kings-Warriors. Kings were favored. We are going to look back on that house, like, 10 years from now. We'll, we'll see what happens with Sacramento. It was a fun story. It was a great story. De'Aaron Fox, Sabonis, Monk, the whole deal. But I feel like we'll have a cocktail or two, and we'll be like, Remember when Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors were getting points against the Sacramento Kings in a freaking game seven? Like, think back on it now, House. Shame on me for not betting the Warriors in that spot. Really, shame on me for that. Well, I did bet them, but it wasn't a big investment because you you can't take your hard-earned money, your American green cash, and try to invest on a team that's 11 and 30 on the road all season long They told us who they are. And then that team coming off of a home performance that should have been the closeout performance, the game six up in the the, the greater San Francisco Bay area where they came out and laid an absolute turd, a team that really needs the rest, a team that's in, in dire need of letting all their veterans get as much rest and relief as possible, a team that, that continues to mess around a little bit, speaking of, but look, man, that starting five, that starting five, give them all 40-plus minutes, I'll put them up against any team in the whole league. It's an uncomfortable position. They can't do it night in, night out because it, it, it just is too much. It's too taxing. But look, Looney, Green, Steph, Clay. I mean, come on. That, that, that's, you, you, you just, they, they've been doing it for, for so long here now. And, you know, the... the um, that ultimately what was the difference. Like there's just the point differential, all the splits. And the only thing for Steve Kerr to manage was Curry's minutes. And it was really nice that, that, uh, ABC had the, uh, microphone on Kerr. So you could hear him, you know, the snippets that they grabbed of him communicating with, with Steph about their game plan for making sure Steph had enough energy to make it through that whole game was really rich. It was very priceless. You know, it was very cool to see in the midst of a a once in a lifetime historical performance by Steph Curry. We have this interaction with the coach. It was, it was very cool, but man, it doesn't speak well to me of the long-term, long-term fortunes of the Golden State Warriors. And I'll just leave it at that. I know we're going to get into this series, but that's, that's my lean at this stage of the analysis. Yeah, I don't think it speaks well of them either. Um, you know, when I look at this Golden State Warriors team, I think they have a dominant starting lineup. But the biggest thing when you see from this 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 Golden State Warriors team is they struggle with Curry off the court. And, you know, Curry, as great as he was in Game 7, 50 points on 20 for 38 shooting, I mean, they have a they had the Kings had a plus 30 net rating with Curry off the floor. Jordan Poole, I mean, he's he he doesn't look like the same guy that we saw last year that earned that hundred million dollar contract. And if they don't get some extra scoring, I think the Warriors are really in trouble. And they will be facing off against a team that has been put through the ringer. You know, they're a team that got off to the rotten start. You had the questions about the age and the injuries of Anthony Davis and LeBron James and Look, it's interesting because you got two all-time greats, 
They're matching up again in the postseason. And let's be honest, we could be talking about the final matchup that you have between LeBron James and Steph Curry in a postseason series. You don't know what the future of LeBron James' career is going to look like. You never know year to year what you're going to get from a Lakers injury standpoint. Steph Curry's not going anywhere. We all understand that. But, House, I think it's interesting to look at both of these greats now in the second round of the playoffs and the idea that both of them can kind of smell it. Does that make sense? Like, Steph Curry can smell it. LeBron James can smell it. And I was really impressed with what I saw from the Lakers in game six. They absolutely embarrassed the Memphis Grizzlies. They out-toughed the Memphis Grizzlies, which you had to wonder about because Memphis got that grind to them. They're obviously a very tough-minded team. And how does Golden State combat the Davis situation? That, to me, is the million-dollar question in this series. Kevon Looney gave him great minutes against Sabonis, and I like Sabonis. Nice player. It's not Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis takes it to another level now with what he can do inside. Is, is that the Laker blueprint, you think, for going and winning this series? I, I think so. I mean, it's a radically different personnel situation with the Lakers. I mean, it, it, for, for Golden State, having just gone through seven games with a team that wants to run as fast as it can up and down the court, and Mike Brown's telling them, great job by Mike Brown. He absolutely earned his Coach of the Year honors, by the way but relentlessly tell them, go, 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 go. This Lakers team is going methodically. They're going to the rim. They're going to crash the offensive boards. They want to get to the free throw line. I mean, really, the the the. I think Golden State is in, in a tough position because they have to, in my estimation, play Looney and Green together. And they were able to get away with not having that, those two guys. They, they were able to stagger those guys against Sabonis, because Sabonis is a different animal. They had an advantage there. They do not have that advantage against this Lakers team, and this Lakers team is deep. They showed it over the course of, of the, the Grizzlies series, and I just think they're, 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 it's going to be uh, an eye-opening experience for the, the, the Golden State Warriors to go up against a, just a, an entirely different set of, of animals. I mean, the, the, the real breakdown comes down to what version of Anthony Davis are we going to get over this, the course of this series? If it's the version of him that delivered the Lakers across the goal line while LeBron was, was nursing his foot and the version of Anthony Davis with his show out games against Memphis, I think Golden State's in trouble. That's my humble estimation with all due respect to, uh, Steph Curry, you know, and, 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 you know, my, immense love for him. I'd mean no disrespect whatsoever. I just dis disrespect their bench uh, thoroughly. That That's all dream. Yeah, me and House are on the exact same page here. I mean, I like when I look at this Lakers team, they are a big, big team. I mean, they got some big guys in there. And how did the, how did the, the Warriors win game seven? They won by dominating the offensive glass. They had a 34% offensive rebound rate. In that second half, the Kings could not oh, get a rebound terrible. at all. Raheem, in the third quarter, the Warriors couldn't hit a shot. And basically, the best Warrior offense is Kavon Looney, Kavon Looney, Kavon Looney. I'm glad you mentioned that. Tough to watch, dude. Tough to watch. Yeah, and I mean, that won't be the case against this, this Los Angeles Lakers team. I mean, they are top five in offensive rebound rate and their top five in defensive rebound rate. So they're going to be able to dominate the glass. Anthony Davis, to me, is in 
it like he he's he's gearing up for a big series. And I think LeBron James, the one thing about LeBron James right now, I know he's a little older, but he knows how to pace himself. I mean, he's almost just like like a fighter. Like as Bill Simmons said, he's like a a fighter who paces himself and he knows when to pick his spots. And I just think with the Lakers being a deeper team, they got guys like, you know, Roy Hachimori. You got guys like Austin Reeves. Honestly, as much as people criticize D'Angelo Russell, I think this is a series where he can dominate because there's no guards on that Golden State Warriors team who are going to slow him down. Revenge series. Revenge series. <laughs> revenge series for D'Angelo Russell. I like that. I like that. So it seems like the fellas, united front here, believers in the Los Angeles Lakers against Mr. Curry and the Warriors. All right, Raheem, I'm going to go right to you on this. We got two games tonight. We have... The Miami Heat against my beloved New York Knickerbockers. The Knickerbockers, six and a half point favorites. We'll see about a couple of injuries. The Lakers, four and a half point dogs in Golden State against the Warriors. Before House and I chime in, you set the lead. You take the stage, Raheem. It's 100 time. Okay. It's the hundreds. We have a 27 and 21 record. Plus $284. I mean, we're not really rolling like that, like in the way that I want us to. I mean, we did drop one unit last night with the Denver Nuggets, Phoenix Suns over. I mean, that was a slow-paced game. I should have saw it coming, but unfortunately I didn't. But we're back today. We got a couple of picks for you guys. We're going to go back to the well with the New York Knicks first half minus four. 110 to win $100. I mean, when you look at this New York Knicks team, they've been dominating the first half at home. League leading 51 and 30, 63% in the first half, including 26 and 14, 65% in the first half at home. According to Bet Labs, we look at the Knicks first half during the playoffs, 5 and 1 against the spread, 83%. Jimmy Butler is listed as questionable. So I, I just think when, when you look at the Knicks, they were 7 and 34, 20% from behind the arc. I think you get some regression. I think they come out desperate to win this game. So I like the Knicks first half minus four is our first play. Our second play, we're going to go with the Los Angeles Lakers money line plus 166. That's $100 to win $166 and Los Angeles Lakers plus four and a half. That's 110 to win 100. Here's my angle here. And this is an angle that I created. You might see a lot of people using it, but I did the research. Since 1980, teams who come off a seven game series 33 and 51, that's 39% straight up in game one of the following series. That comes from my personal database. I spent the time analyzing it. You look at the 2016 Golden State Warriors. They came off that that seven-game series against the Oklahoma City Thunder. They had to take on a Cleveland Cavaliers team that was rested after dominating those Raptors. You can go all throughout history. NBA playoffs are a war of attrition. So I like the fade teams coming off of that game seven. You look at the series as a whole, teams that win game seven, 36 and 48, 42% straight up in the following series altogether. So those seven game series, they're hard on the body. And I expect it to be hard on the body for this Golden State Warriors team. I know they're 21 and four in game one under Steve Kerr, but I'm fading that trend. I think the, the, the Lakers, they get it done today. I like the Los Angeles Lakers to get it done. Those are my two picks for the hundreds. I have a feeling we're going to have a lot of family unity on these two games tonight. I do. Let's start with the Lakers and the Warriors. I'm with Raheem on this house. I think the Lakers are very live here in game one. You give them a little bit of extra rest. We talk about the edge that they will have compared to Sacramento 
from a rebounding perspective. This is a team that I don't think is going to get bullied by Kavon Looney the way the Sacramento Kings were bullied by Kavon Looney. And I love that nugget Raheem brought up about the idea of the Warriors having to put a little extra oomph, a little extra energy into that game seven on the road on Sunday. Now it's a quick turnaround. The Lakers are waiting for them. I like the four and a half, and I'm with Raheem. I'm doubling the meat here. I'm taking the Lakers on the money line. And let's take it one step further. I like the Lakers to win this series, so I would take them as well. I'm on the Lakers across the board here. Uh, are you making it three for three, amigo? Yeah, I am absolutely all over this as a family play. For sure, for game one, I want to sit back a little bit more uh, over the course of this afternoon and contemplate um, what I want to do series-wise, but I absolutely think this Lakers team is in the driver's seat tonight. The one thing that the Warriors have suffered from all season long, the reason that their road record was so bad, in my humble estimation, is their bench. They had, uh, they, they've, they've been bad at player development over the last three or four years, and their, their bench absolutely let them down over the course of that Sacramento Kings series and I don't see any scenario under which that bench improves against this Lakers team. The Lakers role players are, are, are better. The guys coming off the bench, they actually supported the Lakers. And the only way for Golden State to really compete in this game one is to give a bunch of run to Jordan Poole and Dante DiVincenzo. And we'll see some Moses Moody. And those guys just are, have not been up to it. So give them those minutes and let's watch the Lakers roll in game one, I'm on that money line and taking the, the points as well. Let, let's cash it as a family, baby. Family play. Now, let's see if we have a united front for the Nick Heat game. And I know, Raheem, you were on the first half with the Knickerbockers. They have been a cash cow. They have been a money-making machine in covering these first half numbers at home. A lot of injury uncertainty as we sit here right before noon talking about this game. Now, I know they put Jalen Brunson on the injury list. Spoiler alert. Jalen Brunson is a tough mofo. Jalen Brunson is playing game two. I would be stunned if we are talking about Jalen Brunson not playing this game. Julius Randle, that's a question. Jimmy Bowler, with the Heat now up one to nothing, with the Heat getting, you know, the idea of what they wanted here in the first two games at Madison Square Garden. I know a lot of morning reports are saying he wants to play. He, he's got that dog energy to him. He loves being out there. When the stage is shining the brightest, but it might be a little bit more practical for Jimmy Butler not to play in this spot. But let's assume, Raheem, whatever the case may be, six and a half. Are you inclined to get involved with my Knickerbockers for that price? We know we, that you like them in the first half. Do you like the Knicks for the game as well? Here's the thing. We are recording this audio right now at 11.56 Eastern Standard Time. And as of now, we don't have any news about the status of Jimmy Butler, nor do we have any news about the status of Julius Randle. Now, I did like the first half just because I do think that's a trend that's just worked out in my favor, you know, the whole year. The Knicks have been dominant in the first half, actually the last two years. So I just think, you know, the momentum of the game should take them there for the first half. But with Jimmy Butler, his status being up in the air, it's tough for me to make a move by laying six and a half because if he plays, then, you know, this not line is going to go down. So I think you have to sit tight on this on this game, see where the line goes, see who's playing, and then make a decision. But I can't give you a definitive edge right now. 
Yeah, it's a situation. I'm with Dream where I'm not prepared to make like a big investment. I'm going to do some kind of parlay where I put the Knicks money line in into play and I'm going to match it up with a player prop. I'm going to find a player prop that I like. It, it, it I, I, I think Brunson is due for a bounce back kind of game. 0 for 7 from 3 and, and just a, a bad uh, three-point shooting night really was the difference. I mean, R.J. Barrett um, had the ball in his hands at the end of the game, it was a three-point game with four minutes left. Like, it's not like Miami ran ran the Knicks off the floor. It's just that Coach Spo was a little bit better than Coach Tibbs at the end of that game. I mean, let's call it like we see it. Uh, Coach Tibbs couldn't figure out a way to put Jimmy Butler, one-legged Jimmy Butler, on an island and have his guys going downhill against him. That's on, that's on the coach. But in, in, in sizing up this game, I'm just going to play a simple parlay. I'm going to do a player prop matched up with the Knicks money line and try and get some plus odds. And it, my inclination is like Brunson over two and a half threes. I think that's the the, the play that I'm going to make in this one. Cause I, I just can't hold that, that, that brother down. I just, he, he, he is uh, uh, up to the moment at all times. Jalen Brunson playoff. Jalen is who I'm down with uh, for this game tonight. JJ. Well, fellas, I am going to have an SGP uh, for our New York, New York brethren getting ready for game two. Here's the guy I'm involved with from a player prop standpoint. It's R.J. Barrett. R.J. Barrett is playing with confidence all of a sudden. After two dreadful games against Cleveland, he is attacking the rim. He is finishing around the rim. And he has just been a different player. I'm looking at Barrett, 20-plus points. That's my prop, and that's how we're going to have a little fun with this house. I like your logic there. Knicks to win, Barrett to go and get you 20. That all of a sudden gets you to plus 112. So we're going to have a little fun with that tonight. Knicks to win, bear to get you 20, plus money, Raheem, plus money. I'm keeping it short and sweet with the two-teamer. I like it. I love it. I mean, hopefully it gets, it gets there. We have the family play on the Lakers. We have your parlay. We have my hundreds picks. You know, House has some picks. So, I mean, we, we should have a good night. And I'm firing the first half bet as we speak. All right, House, Raheem, when we get back, we'll get you ready for the Kentucky Derby. Mike Joyce, FanDuel TV, joins us next. Going for your first ever run around the park. Literally running errands all over town. Running for the finish line and your personal best. If you run, you're a runner. Find the shoes and clothes to run your way at newbalance.com running. New Balance. Run your way. We're back here on East Coast Bias FanDuel TV. So in addition to all the craziness of the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs. We got baseball one month into the year. It is Kentucky Derby week. And I need a tutorial. I know many of you out there might need a little horse racing tutorial. So I'm going to welcome in Michael Joyce, FanDuel extraordinaire, horse racing extraordinaire, who's nice enough to join us here to get us set for Saturday at Churchill Downs. Michael, welcome in. Welcome to East Coast Bias. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm great. So it, it's busy on the weekend, so I didn't. I haven't listened in a couple of days. The last time I listened, though, I think Ramstradamus went five for five. Was that Thursday night? He went five for five on. He had NBA. one hell of a. I think it was the um the day the Knicks, if I'm not mistaken, won on the money line against yeah. Cleveland. Yeah. So it was yeah. near and dear to my heart as yeah. a native New Yorker, Michael. Yeah. So 
at any rate, that's killing me because I live in California, so we don't have sports betting yet. So I couldn't even get down on it. But I love the show. I, I, and I'll tell you this, you got to appreciate how much angling it took me back on my end back home because I've been a Ringer fan and I've been a Simmons fan. I've been a fan of you guys for years. And as soon as the deal was made with FanDuel, I went to my boss. I'm like, whenever the Ringer does anything, I'm your guy. Like, I'm your guy. I'm like, I'm not above gratuities. Like, I will pay you off, like, whatever it takes. Let me get on that show. So this is like, this is like years of political angling in my office to get here. Well, I'm glad that you made that happen, number one. Number two, we appreciate all the love and support. But now it is time for you, Mike, to deliver for us, to deliver for the audience that needs your help. What would you say out of the gate for somebody that doesn't bet horse racing outside of the Triple Crown? What is the biggest mistake the novice better makes when it comes to Derby Week and when it comes to these events uh, that we have coming up over the next couple of weeks? The biggest mistake is to get intimidated, right? So horse racing is, it's been around for a hundred years. And so the vernacular, the way we talk about it, the betting, it seems so big and it seems so overwhelming. And it feels like you got to learn Greek to know what's going on. And you don't, because it's really the simplest game in the world. They all start here. They all end up here. When they get to here, right, that's the winner. And that's, you get paid. That's it. That's all you got to do. So you got to figure out who's going to win. So bet to win or bet win place or bet win place show. If you bet to show, right, you're going to get paid if the horse finishes in the top three. I'm really good friends with Eric Johnson on the Colorado Avalanche. He is a, you know, a Stanley Cup champion. He's a racehorse owner. He started going to the track when he was a kid with his dad and his family. And his, his experience was, I thought it was the greatest game in the world. A horse could finish third and I still won. Like this is, this is the greatest thing I ever heard. So you don't have to make it super complicated and you don't have to have all this crazy amount of knowledge. The Derby's a hard race. There's 20 horses in there, but just better horse to win or better horse to win in place. You're going to get paid, right? If you're right, it's just like betting sports. If you're right, you're going to get paid. Don't overcomplicate it. Now I can sit here and I'm, I'm going to, I can throw tons of, you know, horse racing's version of saber metrics and inside baseball stuff at you all day long. But at the end of the day, we're just trying to figure out who's going to get from here to here first. It's the simplest game in the world. I like the sound of that. Um, as far as getting us there, though, Mike. Yeah. What is the best? You see all these odds. You see all these horses. And it's no fun to go with the favorite in many cases. It's just not It's not a fun bet to root for. In many cases, you want to go and dig a little bit deeper. Is that a good way to attack, let's say, Saturday's race? Try to find value from an underdog standpoint? There, Listen, every horse, you're getting good value, right? It's not like you're laying juice on any of these horses the way you'd be laying juice on like a double-digit favorite in the NBA or in the NFL. But it is the way to attack this race, maybe try to find some value deeper down the court or not necessarily? Well, let's put it in, in context, okay? So the Derby is the biggest day of the year, and there's tons of money in the pool. There's over a quarter billion dollars bet on Derby Day. And the Derby itself will probably have 120 to 150 million bet on it. So with that, and, and the difference in horse racing and sports betting is in sports betting, the betters make the market. In horse racing, the betters are the market. The juice is taken out off the top. You're betting against other betters. All the money goes back to the winning betters. So you're, you don't have to lay that kind of juice in, in that respect because there's 20 different outcomes. So what you're looking at is, yeah, it's no fun to bet the favorite, but your favorite in sportsbook odds, right, is going to be plus 450, right? I mean, you're going to get, you're going to get, and, and your returns in two minutes. You don't have to sweat out three hours of a game. So that's the beauty of horse racing. So the favorite in this year's Derby is probably going to be a horse named Forte. Um, he is the champion from last year. He was a champion two-year-old. The Derby's only for three-year-olds, right? You, you get one shot at the Derby. It's in May of your three-year-old year. 
He was the best horse as a two-year-old. His two starts this year as a three-year-old, he's looked like he's still the best horse. Um, but like you said, it's not that sexy to bet the favorite. I don't think he goes into, I think he goes into the starting gate at three and a half to one, four to one, somewhere in there. I don't think he's going to go in there at, you know, like eight to five or like plus plus one sixty. You're not going to, you're not, you're not sweating that, but even a favorite in horse racing, most of the time they're going to pay closer to, you know, plus plus one eighty, two to one than they are. You're not laying any juice. You're not, you know, an odds on favorite isn't something that people, a lot of people are going to bet to win in that respect. Right. So yes and no, like it's, it's kind of a complicated in the Derby, your favorite is going to pay, you know, for a, you know, plus let's, let's say this year, I'm going to say it's going to play, pay somewhere between plus three eighty and plus four ten. So if you want to bet the favorite, you're not, you're not losing, you're not losing a ton of value on that. Totally get that. Okay. Give me a couple of horses that you have your eye on from a standpoint of maybe they can go and win this thing. Or we talk about the idea of placing, right? You bet them the place, right. they end up in the top three, boom, all of a sudden you're going to make some money. Who are some of those horses, Mike, that you would identify? So I want to start with a horse named, uh, well, so first Forte is going to be the favorite. He is an excellent horse. I'm not going to take anything away from him. He's a champion two-year-old. He should be the favorite going into the game. Um, his stable mate, which means a horse, um, that's trained by the same trainer, Tom Fletcher, is a horse named Tappet Trice. And they're, they're not, they haven't drawn the Kentucky Derby field yet, so they don't have numbers yet, but just, you gotta have to remember the name. Tappet Trice is probably going to be second choice or thereabouts. And he's another very good horse. And both of those horses, even his favorite and second choice, you're looking at odds upwards of plus 350, plus 400. So you're still getting a, a substantial return. Um, my bomber right now is a horse named Confidence Game. And the reason I like, I like the name already, by the way, Michael, I like the name already. This is a good start. So I was at his, uh, his last race before the Derby and he's coming off of about 10 weeks. He never ran. He ran in a race called the rebel. And that was back in March. And usually they'll run another race before the Derby, right? They're not going to, they don't want to come in off that long a layoff. That race took a lot out of him. So his trainer had to, you know, really kind of bring him back up physically for a couple of weeks before he started getting back into him. And he was hemming and hawing about, well, we might go in this race before the Derby. We might go in this race before the Derby. And I was interviewing him and he said, we might go in no race at all. He goes, I- I'm-, I'm tempted to-, to just train him up to the Derby. And he trained him up to the Derby. He didn't end up going in a race. And then he had to work two days ago. And they work about once a week. They put in like a really stiff, you know, run around the track to, to really get, you know, fit and tight and, and prep for the race. And after his work, the other day, his trainer, Keith DeSormo, he's a lot of things. He's not a poker player. He's got no poker face. He was glowing. I mean, like he was literally on cloud nine. So if confidence game is good enough. He's ready. And I think he's good enough. I think he's as good or any of these. And I'm, I'm not going to be surprised if I see him at 20 to one. I mean, he's going to be, you know, we're, we're talking really high odds. So that would be my, my absolute bomber confidence game. Um, but it's, you know, it's a tough race. There's 20 horses in there. And in this year's, usually most years you can cut out half the field and say, these 10 don't got a shot. This year, I feel like you start trickling down more and more of these horses look like they, they've got the ability to, to be close. You obviously have been following horse racing for a long time. And of course, the majors are the ones, the triple the crown, the majors. Yep. I, I, I combine them all in the one because it's like right. majors, golf, triple crown for horse racing. It's the... The grand stage. You, you get where I'm going yeah, here, Mike. Yeah. When you think about these grand races and the grand stage on the Triple Crown level, do you have a favorite race, a favorite win of yours that you think back on? Like, what you're like, wow, I, I can't believe I got that one right. Like a humble, humble brag, humble flex. 
Oh yeah. I, I've got a, Oh, a lot of those. Are you kidding me? <laughs> we got a, so, um, but you gotta recent, have a favorite though, right? Like yeah. you gotta have a favorite one that you like nailed, you know? So my, my biggest, uh, my biggest score on Breeders' Cup, uh, so Breeders' Cup's like the Super Bowl of horse racing. It's, it's kind of like the Olympics because in horse racing, there's different divisions and different, you know, they, they run different distances, different surfaces. And Breeders' Cup is like the, the, the NBA playoffs, the, the Super Bowl is like the two biggest days, right? So, um, it's just a gambling extravaganza as is Derby because Friday and Saturday of Derby weekend, it's two of the best days of racing in the world. Um, I was down. It's not, it was a huge, it's not that it was a huge score, but I was down to my last 40 bucks and it was 2019 pre pandemic breeders cup at Santa Anita. And I loved Vino Rosso in the classic and I was down to 40 bucks and I'm like, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. There was a horse named Bricks and Mortar in a turf race that I thought was an absolute free square. He was going to, he was a favorite. He was chalked because like eight to five or somewhere in there, but I didn't think he could get beat. So I played a pick three and what a pick three is you bet the, you have to, you structure a ticket to have, the winners in three consecutive races. And so I, I singled bricks and mortar. I went four deep or no, I went two deep in a different race, uh, in between them. And then I singled Vino Rosso on the end. So I had bricks and mortar and Vino Rosso had to win. And one of these two horses in the middle had to win. And instead of playing it for a dollar, I played it for 20. So when Vino Rosso won, I hit the pick three for 20 times The pick three, uh, paid about a hundred bucks. So I went from 40 bucks to two grand and, that was, that was a great score for me because I was down two grand. <laughs> so, so it was like my biggest score, like it wasn't my biggest score ever, but it was like, I was like, I took 40 bucks and I broke even after just a brutal two days of getting my ass kicked. So it was oh, like, and then you came back in the yeah. exact same place they were when you, when you yeah. entered the building, there's something to be said for that. I like that. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, all right, you know, I don't have to send my kids to state school. This is great. Amen to that. Even Steven, uh, Mike, before we say goodbye, you gave us a couple of horses you like. Do you have the official Kentucky Derby pick or is that going to be coming later in the week? You're not ready to go there yet. I think, I, I, I think it's coming a little bit later in the week. Uh, right now, it's going to be one of uh, two horses I've already named. Um, Tapatrice, Forte, Compass Game, one of those three. And then there's another horse I will throw out there because this could be the year. Derma Sotagake is a Japanese horse and he won uh, a race in Dubai to qualify for the Kentucky Derby. Now, traditionally, the Japanese horses have never won a Kentucky Derby. Um, and horses that have won the Derby prep in Dubai have never won a Kentucky Derby. All these trends end at some point. And the Japanese racing is far and away the best racing in the world. Their horses on every international stage have just been dominating the last three years. It's, it's gotten to be stupid and he's their best three-year-old. And this might be the year that he does. It. I don't know what kind of a price he's going to be. I'm guessing he's around 10 to one. Um, so, you know, plus a thousand if he, if he's right, but uh, I'm leaning to one of those four horses, but there's a lot to do. And I'll tell you this, because I got to give you the official FanDuel TV Plus pitch. Yeah, but, so I was going to say, where can we find yeah. all the content, please? So so fa the FanDuel TV Plus app is available on Roku, Fire TV, and Apple TV. You can watch East Coast Bias, of course. You can get all the other shows, the K. Adams Show. You can watch the live racing. But the Derby content we have is excellent because we have live on-site crew all week long. I I'm getting to Churchill Downs on Thursday, but we've we've been there. We've had 10 people out there, or be the best we have on sites and Saturday. Um, they're, they're working the mornings. They're getting all these horses in their final works, their final gallops before they get to, to the Kentucky Derby. We're going to have a lot of those works up on the way up on the, the, the streaming app. We have all the prep races. So if you're going through and looking like, okay, what did this horse do last time out? Like, why is this horse good? You can watch those on the, app. the, 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 the piece by piece stuff that we have there, um, is excellent. And then of course you can wager on 
the Kentucky Derby for the first time because FanDuel Sportsbook is the official sportsbook partner of the Kentucky Derby. So you can wager on the Derby for the first time through the FanDuel Sportsbook app. You don't have to get a set in every other year. You've had to get the TVG app, which is part of our company as well, or a racing specific wagering app. We're the first ones to actually have horse racing in the sportsbook app. So if you're firing on your FanDuel account, you can just go to horse racing and the wagering menu is there for Derby Day and for every horse racing event in the world. Um, so it really is, I know I'm a company guy and I got it. That's my pitch, but I'm telling you, like when I, when I'm prepping for this, I'm sitting on my couch with the FanDuel TV plus app open. I'm watching all the work my colleagues have done. And it's great to, you know, I used to do replays on my laptop. Now I can watch race replays just right on my screen, like, you know, right on the, the, the 80 inch, you know, HD screen in my living room and not, you know, squinting at a, at a, at an iPad. So it's great. It's really fantastic. And it's free too. When you, when you download it, we'll have all the racing the whole week. Um, leading up to the Derby up to Thursday, um, streaming live with, uh, with the no commercial commercial free. It'll be great. We will be monitoring. We will be watching Mike and hopefully you have a couple of winners for us come the weekend. And I hope that the outfits dude are ready to go for Churchill oh. Downs. Is the suit ready? Is the, you, you got to have, you know what you're doing here? We ready to go? I got, well, so Friday's Oaks day, which is like the Derby for the Phillies with the girls. So I've got my I've got my uh, my pink my salmon pink blazer ready to roll for Friday. Nice, I like yeah, it. We'll, Respect. Yeah, we'll be going. And tell uh, and I have always wanted to say tell tell Joe how sorry about the Wizards, man. I just I feel like I know the guy for a hundred years, and he's just lamenting the Wizards every year. <laughs> so like, it's a lot just, of long just, suffering for him. He is now yeah. really becoming one of the more disgruntled sports fans that you're going to find with the Wizards. His Nationals are an absolute disgrace. His football team at least has new ownership, so there is that. Uh, I will gladly pass that along. That's Michael <laughs> Jewis, FanDuel TV, getting you ready for the Kentucky Derby. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Thanks, JJ. House, see, your suffering sports fandom is gaining national attention. What a world, bro. I, hey, I love Mike Joyce. I appreciate the shout. I'll just say this. DCU's District of Champions over the last, last five years, we got a Stanley Cup. We got a World Series. The women won the WNBA title. The DC defenders are, are going into the XFL championship uh, in, in two weeks. Like we're still around the hoop now. I understand. I appreciate the consideration. The basketball team has been bad for 50 years and the football team has been bad for 25 years, but hope springs eternal. We have a new owner coming in for the, for the football team and the basketball team has a new GM. We'll have a new GM at some point. So anything is possible. JJ. Yeah, and listen, you had a couple of championships, so I love you, buddy, but I'm not feeling too sorry for you. I haven't seen a championship in 13 years. Yeah, I'm sounding like a spoiled, rotten, disgusted New York Yankee fan. Sounds about right. All right, Dream, Wednesday, pick it a night. Real quick, what do you got? Okay, this is a lean. I'm going to go with the Boston Celtics first half minus five against the Philadelphia 76ers. When you look at the first half net rating, it's first in the NBA amongst all playoff teams, plus 16.1. When you look at their second half net rating, it's 12th amongst playoff teams, minus 9.4. Desperation spot. You got to get this win. Boston Celtics first half. And I'm going to piggyback off that. All I'm going to do is say the Philadelphia 76ers plus the nine points. I mean, why why not? What's going to change between... Now and the and the other night, let me have the let me have the points. I can't believe I'm doing this. Going to the NHL, New Jersey Devils. They just beat the New York Rangers. Carolina is all beat up. I like the Devils to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. How about that for a little hockey into the conversation? Good job by Raheem. Good job by House. We'll be back later in the week with all sorts of East Coast biased content here on the Ring of Gambling Show. We'll chat next week on FanDuel TV. Be good, everybody.